0: Good day, and welcome to the ESPN media conference call with NFL draft analyst Todd McShea. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Ali Stonberg. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, Ron. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being on the phone with us today. We have about 15 minutes, so we're going to start right now and make the most of it. A reminder to please skip personal greetings and start right away with your question. The first question will go to James Cratch with the Newark Star-Ledger, and then we'll go to Nate Davis with USA Today.
0: Hey, Todd. With the Giants, obviously it looks like they're probably not going to necessarily have Jonathan Hankins back. So who are some of the pass-rushing, you know, three-technique defensive tackles in the first couple of rounds? Um, I think Brantley probably out of Florida would be the, the first one um you look at him it i don't know Malik McDowell depends on how how you classify him if he's going to play inside or outside from Michigan State he's he's um he's tall long i think he might be the most talented interior defensive lineman some questions about the work ethic and consistency but he he from a skill standpoint i think can can uh, can become a highly disruptive player and probably is going to be in Come off the board somewhere in the 10 to 25 range. Um, I men- mentioned Brantley from Florida. He's a kind of a classic three technique. He's not, I'd say he's a, he's very disruptive as a pass rusher. I think only five and a half career sacks. Not the best finisher, but very disruptive and also strong versus the run. As um, a guy, who I think could play nose tackle, four three nose tackle, or or three technique. And he so he's going to be probably a second round pick. And Chris Wormley, he's a, again, he's not a great pass rusher, but he's probably going to wind up being either a five technique or a three technique. And I think Jaleel Johnson could be the more, more, one of the more underrated guys in the, in this draft. I think he's probably going to be a second, third round pick. Has the explosiveness, became more consistent this past year coming out of Iowa and, and, um, really play well. And one other name, Auburn's Montrabius Adams. Is I think probably the most he was the most explosive of the defensive linemen at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. Really good season on tape this past year. Two years ago, effort was not there, so you, a little bit of concern with him. That's why I think he falls to the day two range. But but um, those are some some names: McDowell, Brantley, Jaleel Johnson, and Adams. I think were the four probably the best fits that'll come off the board in the first three rounds as a three techniques.
1: Nate Davis with USA Today, followed by Angelique Schengelis with the Detroit News.
0: Hey, Todd. I was just going to ask, I guess, similarly for your, your breakdown, kind of a, the running back class, uh, and then specifically, if you think uh, Alvin Kamara's lack of use uh, is is an asset or a detriment given that he will be fresher, but he is an experience. It's a good question. Um, I think big picture is probably a little bit more of an asset because you know the, the ability is there. I think they're Maybe a couple bumps in the road with, with Kamara just in terms of learning, improving his technique and pass protection. But he, he's tough, man. I, I was impressed watching him on tape. For a guy who's not the biggest back, he, he'll stick his nose in there. He catches the ball extremely well. And, um, and he, I mean, his explosiveness just jumps off the tape. The first two plays I saw of him on tape were against Vanderbilt. And, they both were for touchdowns, long touchdowns, 30 plus yards I believe. The first one was a carry, bounced off about five or six defenders and the second one was a I think it was a screen pass or a short pass that he that he took to the house as well. So he's got some impressive traits and I think that's why for we're talking about him potentially late first round, early second round as someone who's never had more than 18 carries in a single game. So I mean this class is we've talked about how loaded it is from top to bottom. And I, I really think it's got a chance to be as good a class at running back as we've seen probably since that two thousand and eight group that had five first rounders and you know, that Ray Rice and um I think Jamal Charles and a bunch of other guys that uh Matt Forte. They were all from that 08 class I believe and and uh I think this group has a chance to be as good down you know, down the line when we look back on it. Leonard Fournette is is what everyone knows what he is, is a big power back. I think he's likely going to be a top 15 pick. I've got him going number eight to Carolina. Uh, Dalvin Cook, has got some shoulder issues, fumbling issues, and and some stuff to dig through off the field. But on the field, I think his tape was probably even more impressive than Fournette's or anyone else's in the class. Uh, Camaro, we talked about. Chris, Christian McCaffrey will continue to rise as we get closer to the draft. just Because he put up explosive numbers at the Combine that you were hoping to see based off of the tape. And I thought they were even better than what what the projections were. And his character's off the charts, his versatility, and just his work ethic. Um, there's some other guys that are under the radar. Kareem Hunt from Toledo, I think, has a chance to be a really good value pick in the on day two. Uh, Deontay Foreman, who's injured and won't work out, but is a big, powerful back that can catch the ball a little bit. Wayne Gallman, versatile, coming out of Clemson and, and was really productive there. And then the the I guess one of the bigger storyline players, for all the wrong reasons, Joe Mixon, coming out of Oklahoma. He, you know, it's well documented what he what he did and was seen punching a girl on a, on a video and and was suspended. And it's just it's it's a tough situation because the bottom line is he's probably going to be a third round pick. He's I think the second most talented back in this class and likely would have been a, first, a top 15 been clean and had no issues off the field.
1: Angelique Schengelis, followed by Rich Campbell with the Chicago Tribune. Todd, uh, on Gabriel Peppers, you had him pretty high, I think, in December, obviously not not in the first round in, in the latest mock draft. What, what's happening, in your opinion, with, with Peppers?
0: I'm, to be totally honest with you, just struggling with his evaluation because I know A, that he's such a good athlete. B, I know how valuable he can be in the return game. C, I honestly think had, had he played the position, he could be a really good running back, and, and still there could be some value with him on the offensive side of the ball because he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. But the, the issue I'm having, and, and D, I should say, he's just a face of the program type of guy, hard worker, cares, dedicated. They don't have a negative thing to say about him um, at, at Michigan. and Coach Harbaugh and, and uh, Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, just raved about him from a football intelligence standpoint. Compare, I think Jim compared him to um, compared him to Andrew Luck and said he was the had the best football intelligence or football IQ that he's, he's been around since Luck. So I mean, you've got all those positives, and then I, I finally got around to doing his tape and evaluating both last year and this year because you have to watch both to see kind of what he is. I thought he could be a day on Buchanan for a while, but the more I study the tape, he's just not as physical or as strong as Buchanan. I don't know that he can move inside. So now you're talking about a guy who has to play some of the nickel, which is you know, outside the box, and then has to hold up in coverage more in terms of deep coverage. And I thought he struggled when he was forced to quickly turn and run, change directions, those sorts of things. He's fast on a straight line. And he can make up some speed, but but he he's really grabby and, and handsy by that. I mean, he he really has to hold on to tight ends and backs when he's covering. And he's not he, – you can get away with it in college when the ball's not in the air. You can't in the NFL. And so I just think he has a lot of developing to do. I still think he could be a late first-round pick. Who knows? He could wind up going in the middle of the first round. But there's – In my opinion, he's more of a second-round player that you can get a lot of versatility out of, but you're going to have to really have a plan for him and develop him in that role at the next level because he's had to do so many different things in college. And I don't know that he'll be for every team. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes, and he's he's going to have a good career. It's just a matter of getting with the right place and being put in the right role and having a little time to develop because I don't know that he's a – a plug-and-play starter at a true safety position right now. It may be more of a sub-package guy early in, you know, his first year in his career and then develops into an, an ever-down player he moves on year two and, and beyond.
1: Rich Campbell, followed by Joe Fan with the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Hi, Todd. I noticed in your mock draft this morning that both Mitchell Trubisky and Deshaun Watson have fallen since your previous version. Just curious, where you stand on both those guys right now, both, both pros and cons. Well, I think both, I think both are really, in my opinion, are truly late first, second round grades. It won't surprise me if one or both of them go in the top ten. But I think as we get closer, we're, people are starting to realize that there's more, there's more value at other positions if you're talking about the first five, five or six uh, picks of this draft specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, strengths and weaknesses, obviously, when you talk about Deshaun Watson, the character is off the charts. He's he's football brilliant, picks things up, great leadership, great work ethic. Um, he is extremely accurate. I did a six-game study where Watson completed 79% of his throws within 25 yards of the line of scrimmage. But he completed just 29% uh, beyond 25 yards past the line of scrimmage. So there's a big difference, and I think deep ball accuracy, he knows it. He's working on it with Jordan Palmer now. His deep deep ball accuracy needs to improve, but it can improve. And I think there are a couple of just small mechanical tweaks that he needs to work on, and it will take time for it to become natural, but uh, but he that's one area he needs to improve. He obviously has mobility. He has—I would classify him as good arm strength, not elite, but certainly is capable of of making throws that you need to in the NFL. And he's not Matthew Stafford or you know some of those elite arm strength guys. But Tom Brady wasn't—you know—he had average arm strength coming into the league. He's improved upon it a little bit, and he obviously can can make every throw in the league, and has done pretty well. So, the the weaknesses to me really are deep accuracy and then seeing the whole field, which is not something he had to do a lot of times at Clemson. It was more half-field reads, Uh, a lot of zone read, option ball coming out quickly, a lot of stuff on the move. And and I saw him leave a lot of open receivers uh, on the field, a lot of throws on the field. And then part of that, too, is the decision-making. I don't think he's not used to going through progressions from one side of the field to the the other and doing it very quickly, and I think sometimes he – he just didn't see dropping linebackers, guys squatting, uh, safeties coming from the back side, those sorts of things, and it, it was a part of the reason why he had 30 interceptions last two years. So those are the positives and minuses with Watson. Trubisky, I'll try to be a little shorter. I think he has the best pocket presence and, and feel inside the pocket of the quarterbacks in this class. I think he's up there among the most accurate in terms of all three levels of the field. I think that he has, he's just as mobile as, as Watson, and he has some toughness and charisma that Watson has, obviously not the 32-3 and three record and two national championship games played and won 1-1 against Alabama. But Trubisky impressed me with some of his fourth-quarter mental toughness and clutch gene, if you will. I know he, he had a bad, two bad picks against Stanford in the bowl game. One was later in that game, but he played his tail off in the last couple of drives through four touchdown passes that were dropped on that final drive, but before then throwing another one that was finally caught. And then Solomon Thomas blew up the two-point conversion that after a horrible game for their offense, they still could have come back and won that game. So the positives are all there. The Seeing the entire field is one thing that he's got to improve upon. And then the 13 starts is just scary. There's just not a, there's not a lot to go on in terms of guys who have had sustained success in the NFL with so few starts and such limited game experience. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he's utilized and if the team that drafts him is able to sit him for a year, even though everyone says they're going to, very few teams ever are able to do it when they spend the first-round pick on a quarterback.
1: Joe Fan, followed by Suzanne Halliburton, with the Austin American Statesman.
0: Todd, you, you see Solomon Thomas's name coming up more and more uh, specifically the 49ers at number two. But what, what makes him worthy of that top five selection, and, and why is his stock rising right now? I think that's uh, something that's kind of a recent trend. And then also, what do you think the trade is going to be at number two, given that Miles Garrett probably off the board at one, not necessarily one quarterback that everyone's fallen in love with? I'll uh, work in reverse order. I, I would guess that there's very little – trade value for that number two pick because of exactly what you just said. I I don't know that there's a quarterback. You never know. It only takes one team, right? But my guess is there's not a quarterback in this class that's going to drive a team to go and move up several spots, give away what they need to give away to move up to number two and and go get one. And while there's a lot of good players at the top, I think after Miles Garrett, it could be a little bit of a drop off. Everyone else is something small about them, or they're maybe just a, a good fit for one scheme and not the other. That I just I I would find it hard to believe that that number two pick will that they'll be getting a lot of calls for it. With Sullivan Thomas, I mean I've had him in the top ten since he since he came out and I did his tape. So I I don't I haven't really moved much on him. I think he had a good workout at the uh, at the combine that. I guess helped solidify him, or maybe in some people's minds was was better than what they expected uh when you go and look at what he did he he ran uh high four sixes six uh, six two and a half basically two hundred seventy three pounds average arm leg uh but he had i think what was really impressive thirty five inch vertical ten six broad jumper, two very good results, and then outstanding results in the three-cone, 6.98, and the short shuttle, uh, 4.28, which, uh, as I said, they're elite results, especially for a guy who's 273 pounds. So I think kind of confirming what you see on tape in terms of the lower body explosiveness, change of direction, I think he'll continue to get better with his hands, and I just think he's kind of got freakish ability. Now, you know, I've talked to some people who think that he's – got to improve in terms of take on skills. I thought he was okay. he was solid to good, but not great. But I think what he can do in terms of disruption inside and, and sometimes outside, you know, moving around and the versatility to be able to play him at multiple spots. I think those are kind of some of the reasons why Solomon Thomas is has emerged as a possible top five pick. And certainly if you're looking for one game to draft a player on, which is never a good idea, but that North Carolina bowl game was was something else. I don't know that I saw one an individual dominate a game on the defensive side as much as I did Solomon Thomas in that one game this past year.
1: Suzanne Halliburton, followed by Steve Negere with the Associated Press. Hey, Todd, I was noticing in your um, mock draft that was published this morning that you didn't have a Big 12 player on it. And I was wondering, is there, are there any Big 12 players who are on the verge first round who might have good pro days, and
0: get 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 among the top 32 picks? I didn't even notice that. That is news to me. It's surprising. Um, but you look at Texas, I mentioned Deontay Foreman is probably going to be their top prospect. Texas Tech, Pat Mahomes, I think could. You know, to me he's, he's more, he is a big time developmental prospect. And I mean big time in, mo- in both the positive and negative. I, I think his upside it may be as great as anyone, any quarterback in this class, uh, but his learning curve could be as great as any quarterback in this class because he's come from a system that has not translated well in the NFL. No quarterback from that air raid style offense has ever sustained success in the league. But, he, I mean, there are plays, I, I've said it a bunch of times now, but he really, I, I kept watching the tape, and it was a combination of Brett Favre and Johnny Manziel. And, you know, Johnny Manziel was more just the drifting in the pocket and hating to throw the, a seven-yard gain for a first down and wanting wanting to pick up 40 and just looking for the home run almost every single time he dropped back. But the, the Brett Favre was this, the deep accuracy and the playmaking and, and the ability, and, and Johnny Manziel as well. But I think the difference is Farve had the arm and the deep accuracy. I think Mahomes has the best throws the best deep balls, the most accurate deep passer in this class, and made some throws from launch point that I I honestly can never remember seeing. they the most just like almost submarine throws and, and side arms and and bodies, you know, hundred miles an hour falling off balance to the right, throwing back to the left. Bad decisions but great throws. So it, his tape was a roller coaster ride. But The team has the you know starter in place. Like If he were to go to, I don't know, Green Bay or New England, if Garoppolo ever moved or wherever, where you have a couple years where you can just kind of put him in the witness protection program, not count on him even to be a backup that has to play as a reserve, and can develop him on the back end and get him ready, I think he's got a chance to be a really good starter in the league few years down the road, but I don't think using a first-round pick and expecting him to play right away is, is realistic or why. So, to me, he's got a chance to go in the late first, but I think that's um, – I think he's probably a better fit on, on day two, and he may be the highest rated – I would have to go through all these Big 12 teams – he may be the highest rated of the of the Big 12 prospects in this year's class.
1: Steve Negeri, followed by Mike DiRocco with ESPN's NFL Nation.
0: I'm just wondering how Derek Barnett compares to some of the other top pass rushers in this draft, and also what you're forecasting with some of the Tennessee guys who might go later: Dobbs, Sutton, Reed, Maven. Um, as far as Barnett, you know, he's he's not as he's not as twitchy. If that, if you understand that word. Not as sudden as uh, of an athlete as Charles Harris from Missouri. But, and he's not, I wouldn't say quite as straight line explosive or powerful as like a pat McKinley from UCLA, but he's really smooth and athletic. And I think he's, just from watching him on the handful of drops and just watching him change direction, I think he's capable of playing 3-4 outside linebacker just as much as he is right defensive end in a 4-3 scheme. He's really good with his hands. Does it? You know, a nice job of getting off of blocks. He has great closing bursts. You know, I don't know what his 40 time was. I really don't even care. But I, when he, when he gets this to a point where it's a straight line to close in the quarterback, he closes as quickly as anyone in this class, probably outside of Miles Garrett. And it, it's similar. So I've got him right now as the, let's see, the fourth edge defender, if you will. I've got Miles Garrett one, Solomon Thomas two. But I think, you know, he and Taco Charlton are right there. Is the kind of three and 3A, if you will. And Tack McKinley's in that same, same area. Tack McKinley I've got as an outside linebacker pretty much strictly. And same for Charles Harris from Missouri. So they're, those are the kind of five, six best edge defenders. And I think with Barnett, McKinley, Harris, very good chance that they convert from defensive end in college to outside linebacker. Uh, in the NFL, and then real quickly, I, I didn't expect to like Josh Dobbs when I sat down and watched the tape, based on the disappointment that Tennessee had in terms of wins and losses, and some of the the frustrations that he had. But the more I watched the tape, the more I liked the guy. I thought he was really good at Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, when he got some pro coaching and, and worked on just the, the timing and mechanics of his feet, I think he had a lot of balls dropped. I think there was pressure a lot of times when there shouldn't have been, and, and he would, did a great job avoiding it, keeping his eyes down the field. And um I, I just I think if he gets in the right place you can say this about all all these quarterbacks, but I really believe with Dobbs, because of his intelligence, his athleticism, and his better than I guess better than anticipated accuracy, I think he's got a chance to be a solid starter in the league and I, I'm not just throwing that out there. I really truly believe that I think he's the most underrated quarterback. He and Nate Peterman from Pitt are the two under, most underrated quarterbacks. They were both at Tennessee at one point uh, in this class, and I, I think if he's in the right place with the right coaching, I think he's got a chance to really develop. Uh, Reeves Maven, obviously the durability issues, underside. I know he's a really good player. I think he's got a chance to be a value pick on day three. And who is the, Oh, Sutton. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a, a good number two or number three corner in the league. But you know, durability has, has been a little bit of an issue for him.
1: Mike Taracco, followed by Nate Ulrich with the Akron Beacon Journal.
0: Uh the deck goes several ways at number four. What makes O. J. Howard a better option in your mind than Fournette or Allen and could you possibly be going quarterback there? Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it uh I wouldn't rule it out completely. But I I really think that that uh, Bortles is gonna be back next year. I think he's I think he's finally. He, I think he'll be healthy, and hopefully he can get his, a couple of the mechanical tweaks that he was working out earlier. I thought he had worked out, but he clearly regressed last year. Um, so my guess is that they will draft a quarterback at some point, but I would not expect them to use the fourth overall pick. Um, I think it, it was a tough call, to be honest with you. I mean, there's no no tight end in the modern draft era that's ever been drafted number four overall. The, he went. Uh, I've had him going four, and I think the earliest was, was, was Odoms. I looked up earlier today, 1972, Riley Odoms went number five overall. So it might might be a stretch to have a tight end go number four. We've only had two tight ends on the first round the last six drafts. But ultimately, when you look at this year's class, I think from a character standpoint, the maturity that the maturing that he went through, the Ability to stretch the field vertically, the ability to create after the catch, and then the improvement he's, he's undergone as a run blocker and even in pass protection at times. I think, um, I think OJ Howard is one of the most complete prospects. He also had a great week at the senior bowl, kind of confirmed what we knew and then a, a great showing at the NFL combine. So he has nailed the process. He was great in both the national championship games, and I think he has a chance to be a really big difference maker at the next level at the tight end position, and I think they need – Jacksonville needs to get better weapons around Bortles for him to have success. Protection, pass catchers, and run game. So if it's Fournette, I get it. Allen, I I basically looked at it and just went with the offensive side for those reasons, Uh, but I could easily see Allen going uh, number four to Jacksonville if he's still on the board at that spot. Nate
1: Ulrich, followed by Craig Peters with the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Hey Todd, uh, can you explain at, at number 12, if the Browns have their picks of quarterbacks, why at this point you think they would go Watson over Trubisky? And then also, where do you stand with uh, Deshaun Kaiser? Yeah, I, I don't have any insight, quite honestly, if the Browns would go at Trubisky or, or Watson. I think, I think they're both right there in terms of grades. I kind of broke down earlier. I, I won't go get into all the positives and negatives with these guys. Uh, again, but I think with Watson, you know what you're getting from a game experience standpoint. You know, he's, he's been there. He's been through a lot of wars and played a lot of top competition and has had great success. But, um, but he, there's some things he's got to work out in terms of going through progressions, NFL reads and, and deep accuracy. And then with Trubisky, as I said before, I love his pocket poise and mobility. I love the way he played late in some games, driving the team down after having some, some struggles and bouncing back from mistakes. Um, I also thought he was really accurate. And the more tape I watch of Trubisky, to be quite honest with you, the more I like him. But I also worry about the 13 starts, the lack of game experience, and just wonder how long it's going to take him to get be ready and be prepared to be an adequate starter in the league. So it's a tough call. And so you know, to me... Those two are ahead of Kaiser, even though Kaiser physically is the most gifted of the three in terms of size, arm strength. He has an absolute rifle for an arm, and he has good mobility as well. So, But he's just so up and down with his consistency and the accuracy, and it really did not play very well in, in some clutch situations, some opportunities to, to get his team back in, in a in games or, or when they had a, a small lead. He just he didn't play well in fourth quarters of the game, especially the Stanford game. That was alarming. So uh, with Kaiser, I think he's probably going to be a late first-round pick somewhere in that range, but it won't surprise me if he's still on the board when we, when we get to day two.
1: Craig Peters, followed by Dwayne Rankin with the Montgomery
0: Advertiser. Hi. Uh, with the Vikings, uh, not having a first-round pick, there's been, you know, it's been talked about that there's a lot of positions of depth in the draft. Do you see any of those having an effect on maybe the Vikings getting a bargain at pick 48 that maybe they didn't expect? Well, I mean, I'm just the positions of strength are, I mentioned running back, tight end is a, a major position of strength, considering as I mentioned before, they all We've only had two first-round picks in the last six years, and we're going to have at least two in the first round this year uh, with Joku going after O.J. Howard, and then Evan Engram could wind up uh, getting in the mix late in the first round as well, coming out of Ole Miss. And and there's probably another five or six guys that belong on day two. Adam Shaheen from Ashland, uh, Gerald Everett, South Alabama, Jake Butt coming off the injury in Michigan, Jordan Leggett from Clemson, Bucky Hodges, who have had an awesome workout, at the combine and is phys- really physically gifted, but inconsistent in terms of production. So, tight end and running back are the two strengths on offense. Uh, I would say on the defensive side, corner and safety are both really strong positions. I know Sidney Jones had a torn Achilles in the pro day the other day, which is terrible. I mean, just the timing of it is brutal for him because he was a lock. I thought as a first-round pick, he'll go. He'll probably have to sit out. chunk if not all of his rookie season but still will be a day two pick. Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Tredavious White from LSU, Quincy Wilson from Florida, Jordan Lewis from Michigan, Tease Tabor even though he ran a 4-6-3. All those guys will wind up being in the first two to three rounds. Adoree Jackson from USC, Gary Conley could be a first round pick. Chidobe Awuze from Colorado could wind up being a a late first and second round pick. So talking about nine or ten corners and another seven or eight safeties that could go in the first couple rounds of this draft. So I I think those are the two on the defensive side. The secondary is really a a position of strength this year.
1: Dwayne Rankin followed by B.J. Kissel with the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Yes, and looking at the draft, looking at at Alabama and Auburn, on each side, which one has a sleeper or what's a sleeper on each side that that it won't go in the first round, but you could get good value for the guy on day two. Dalvin Tomlinson to me is is one of the more underrated prospects in, in this draft. I, I didn't really realize his impact. There's so many guys when you're watching damage defensive front seven, Ruben Foster, uh, Tim Williams, Brian um, Anderson, and, and then started watching uh, 54. and He just to like play in and play out grinding. Really strong versus the run. Showed a little bit more as a pass rusher this year. I, I think is a, a day two, whether it's second, third round, I, I think he's got a chance to, to be a really productive NFL player for a long time. Uh, so he, he would be my choice from Bama. Auburn, uh, I, I like Jonathan Ford. I, I thought that he, you know, when I thought watching his tape, I, he, he flashed and made some plays. I think Josh Holsey, even even if he's not drafted or if he's a late-round pick, I think both of those guys have a chance to stick in the league for a while and be productive and outplay where they get drafted. And I think both will help on special teams and eventually could develop into whether it's starters or nickel starters or just contributors in a regular way. I think both Ford and Holsey are a little bit underrated.
1: DJ Kissel, followed by Bill Rabinowitz with the Columbus Dispatch.
0: Hey, Todd, you've spoken a lot about the top quarterbacks and the spread quarterbacks in this
1: draft and whether they're ready or how long it will take them to get ready. Uh, Just as an evaluator, just what's your process of projecting guys to do things they haven't yet been asked to do? And specifically a guy you mentioned earlier, what do you like about Pitts Nate Peterman?
0: Well, it's become harder and harder to evaluate quarterbacks, and it never was easy. Uh, but with so many guys not having to read the whole field. I mean, I go into these meetings sometimes and, and during the college season and meet with teams, quarterbacks and, and their coaches, and there, there, a lot of guys aren't even – they're not even setting their own protections. Uh, I, I forget what school it was. One time we went in and the, the running back was, was setting – was calling out the mic and, and helping with the protections, and the center was – you know, it was part of the process as well. It was like the quarterback has it's just become a shortstop to catch the ball and catch the ball from center and the shotgun and and turn around and flip the double play out to a screen. And so, how do you evaluate that? And knowing that the, the NFL is, I mean, there's no playbooks in a lot of these offenses, and the verbiage is is almost nothing. So, it doesn't mean you can't overcome it, but very few have. You know, Cam Newton's a freak. There's not many Cam Newtons out there. So you've got to factor all of that in when you're evaluating these quarterbacks. And, and what they, you know, all of them physically have areas to improve. And then add the fact that they're going to walk into that quarterback room, and, and a lot of them are just going to be completely overwhelmed. And I've talked to guys who have been in the league and then, you know, didn't last long. And, and if, just every single one I've talked to has said the biggest thing was I just wasn't ready to digest the what they were throwing at me mentally. And then when I started to get it, then I had to transfer it to the field, and the game's moving so fast. So it's become very difficult. Um, But In the case of Nate Peterman, where he did a lot more pro-style things, even though there's a lot of bells and whistles in that offense, and a lot of motions and different stuff. Really creative and really effective offense. I, I believe I read somewhere that Pitt had the most successful scoring season uh, in the history of that of pit football this past year. So, I mean, obviously they were doing some things right. Peterman, to me, picked up two schemes in two different years after transferring from Tennessee. Picked them up quickly, was in complete control. He's got size. He, probably his biggest weakness is his, he has just adequate arm strength, uh, but he throws with anticipation. He shows toughness. A game against Clemson, they keep, kept Clemson was ahead, and, and and they kept coming back, and he showed that clutch gene that you look for in, in quarterbacks, and they rave about him too. The coaching staff just raves about his leadership and, and his football IQ. So I mentioned Dobbs and Peterman, to me, are the most are two most underrated quarterbacks in this class and I think can wind up be, becoming steals down the road as, as guys who are starters that were drafted. I don't know, maybe second round would be the highest, I'm guessing, um, but
1: it could be third, fourth-round picks. Bill Rabinowitz, followed by Antoine Staley with Athlon Sports.
0: Yes, Todd, uh, you've got three Ohio State DBs in your first round. How much did Gary and Connolly help himself with the Combine? And I take it from where you have Lattimore and Hooker in the top ten that injury concerns aren't that big and bright with them. And then and one other question about couple of off-the-radar US OSU guys, Dr. Wilson and Corey Smith had disappointing careers largely because of injuries. Do you see them having a realistic shot to make it? Um, yeah, with the injuries, I mean, each each team has their own in, injury protocol and, and medical setup, if you will. They, they have standards that have to be met. Their doctors know those standards. And so, you know, in a lot of cases, guys will, you know, teams, you're either on the board or off the board or, okay, Let's evaluate how much we think this is going to affect their value and figure out where we're comfortable taking this player. I haven't talked to any team that has a, had a major red flag on it, but I, we also have to do the medical recheck in April and I get a lot more of the medical information later in the process as doctors are meeting with teams and, and kind of going through that whole process. So as of right now, I've heard nothing that would lead me to believe that either of those two would significantly fall. Um you know, they both only played one year, but they both had great years. Marshawn Latimer to me is he stood out as having the best just pure movement skills and cover skills of the the corners in this class when I studied all the corners of paint. Um, Hooker obviously has the best ball skills in, in the class and is a big time playmaker. And Gary and Conley, I To be totally honest with you, I gave him a a late second, early third round grade based off of tape. And I still have him in that range. I've moved him up a little bit, but I need to go back and study more because I didn't see, I didn't see the, quite the explosiveness that that workout showed. I mean, he had one of the the better workouts of anyone at the draft. And at the cornerback position is probably more so than any. I, I think it's hard to find guys with length and speed and agility, uh, the the elite combinations. And I, I feel like I've seen more corners benefit from workouts and, and the combine than any other position, just simply because it's hard to find a guy who's six feet tall, has 33-inch arms, which is well above average for cornerback, runs, um, What did he wind up running? He ran 4-4-4 in the 40, 37-inch vertical, 10-9 broad jump, and a 418 and a short shuttle, a 668. I mean, these are all elite, you know, very, very good to elite numbers that he put up. So I, I think he he absolutely benefited from it as much as as anyone. Probably him and Jordan Willis, maybe from from Kansas State, the defensive end. And uh, and it won't surprise me at all if he's a first round pick when it's all said and done.
1: Next up is Antoine Staley, followed by Daryl Slater with the Newark Star Ledger.
0: I know you talked about taking it uh the past Carolina Panthers taking Leonard Fournette number eight overall, but where is some other spot, especially in the second round pick? Uh they have two second round picks, where do you see um, them going at? Could the Marcus Walker from Florida State be at
1: potential option?
0: Yeah, I mean, he could be on day two. Um I I really like his tape. He he doesn't have, he's got some stiffness, Marcus Walker. He's got some, he's not the tallest or the most ideal in terms of size, but his hands and his motor and I think his understanding of opponent's tendencies and just the understanding how to rush a a guy. Half a man, as we say, you know, he just understands how to be a pass rusher. Some guys get it, some guys don't. I think he's, he's taught himself and I know just from talking to him and, and their staff, and I I I quizzed him on tendencies of the Michigan offensive lineman the day before the day before two days before the game when we met with him and and he knew he knew little nuanced things that most defensive linemen that I've talked to don't talk about so it was really impressive so I think he's a guy who's going to be a second day pick he doesn't have ideal measurables and all that stuff but I think he's going to wind up having a good career um for the Panthers you know Defensive tackle, if they're looking for depth there. I mentioned some guys like Jaleel Johnson, Carlos Watkins, Montrevious Adams. Um, you were alluding to defensive end. I think, I think um, Jordan Willis, I mentioned Kansas State. He was good on tape, great at the Senior Bowl, great in his combine workout. I, just, I thought his workout numbers were better than the athlete I saw on tape, but um, there's a lot to work with there, let's put it that way. Um, Marcus Walker, as you mentioned, and even down the line, like DeJuan Smoot from Illinois, inconsistent this last year, but has some ability. Terrell Basham from Ohio is a really underrated prospect. I think he could wind up being a steal. So, those are a few guys along the, the defensive front. I can, you know, offensive line. I think they can continue to get improve their depth too. And guys like Dan Feeney from Indiana, um, Dorian Johnson from Pitt, two guards that are. I think really talented, Deion Dawkins from Temple, Antonio Garcia, who's a left tackle at Troy but could kick inside the guard. Uh, there's actually a very good interior offensive line group, even though the, the buzz about the offensive line is all about the tackles not being as strong as, as normal. Uh, there's a lot of depth along the interior offensive line to get a potential starter in the second, third, fourth round.
1: Daryl Slater followed by Jim Wyatt with Titans Online.
0: It's had regarding regarding the Jets at six, and you had Lattimore going to them there, and you had them passing on on all the quarterbacks available. I'm wondering if you could kind of flesh out why why you think that's the best approach for them to pass on on the quarterbacks there, and also you know why you like Lattimore there despite his uh, you know his history of, of hammy issues. Yeah, as I mentioned before, Lattimore to me is the best cover corner in this class, and when you get a guy that can take away. Opponent's number one receiver, man-to-man coverage. I think there's a lot of value there. Cornerback is clearly a need for the Jets, um, and quarterback, as I mentioned, I don't think there's a, a quarterback in this class. that... I'm personally have trepidations, I should say, about drafting any of these guys in the top ten. Uh, if there's a if there's a player on the board that fits what you want to do, and and is to me significantly higher rated. Now, I don't know how the Jets feel. The Jets may think Sean Watson's going to be the next Tom Brady. And if you think you you think you can get a very good starting quarterback, then, and pull the trigger. Who cares what anyone else thinks? So it'll be interesting to see. As I've said before, it, it only takes one and I know that we've seen a lot of shuffling with Cleveland with Osweiler and Hoyer to San Francisco and Glennon to Cleveland. Those are the, the top three teams drafting and, and three teams that had major needs and still probably have significant needs, at least varying, uh, at the quarterback position. But I don't know what the Jets have seen from Hackenberg. I don't know, you know, what they think he can be, and I, I just don't know how they want to attack the quarterback future. So my guess is that they're going to they're gonna look to draft maybe another one later, um, but I, I really don't know at this point. And, again, nothing would shock me when it comes to quarterback.
1: Jim Wyatt, followed by John Kime with ESPN NFL Nation.
0: Hi, Todd. I noticed you have Jonathan Allen to the Titans at five. Michael Williams to him at 18. Can you maybe talk through your process of giving them Williams early? And if they wait to 18, are they looking at probably only having one of the top three left? That receiver? That uh, receiver, okay. Um, yeah, I, it was tough cause I, because I was sitting there with Tennessee yeah. and I wanted – I want to give him more weapons, you know. But I just don't know that there – I just don't know. With Mike Williams, he's he's great at just about everything, but what's what's his true top end speed? Corey Davis has the ankle injury. I really like – really loved his tape. And he's, he's big like Williams, I think faster on tape, and has really good ball skills as well. The level of competition, though, is it's tough because you just didn't get to see him. Uh, you know, MAC cornerbacks aren't SEC or ACC or even Big Ten cornerbacks. And so that part becomes – I'm talking about a top five thing. I, again, I really like Corey Davis. I think he's going to be a really good pro and, and could be the first receiver off the board. But if you, when you've got a guy like Jonathan Allen, if you're comfortable with the medical, then I think you put him opposite Jarrell Casey. You've got a five technique that can also rush the quarterback and is a big-time playmaker. Um So that was my process there. And then we got to 18, and I can't remember exactly who was on the board, but it just he was the third receiver to come off Mike Williams. We had John Ross going to Baltimore because of the speed with Joe Flacco and and the big arm down the field. And it just made sense to give him a a playmaker. David Njoku to get another number two tight end in the mix was a a possibility as well. But I think if you get Mike Williams there, you're in really good shape. John Kine
1: with ESPN.com.
0: Todd, as you know, the Redskins may only have Kirk Cousins for one more year. You've already mentioned some of the quarterbacks beyond the first round. Who are some other guys that you think might be good fits for what the Redskins like to do, who they could draft maybe this year and develop for the next year or two and plug them in as a starter eventually? Yeah, I I mean, my list would be this for, for them. Nate Peterman from Pitt, Josh Dobbs, Tennessee, Davis Webb from Cal again another guy coming from that air raid system but he he's got a big time arm and I I like his ability to go through some different reads when you boil down some of his throws that were more pro style I thought he he made some he just made a lot of good throws and hit spots and had really good touch on the deep ball um and then after that probably Brad Kaya who lacks arm strength and Got into some mechanical issues behind an offensive line that was terrible protecting him, but Kaya has fast eyes, great football intelligence, and can be really accurate when he when he's in a rhythm. Um, those would be the guys that I legitimately think. And then after that, is C.J. Bather has some limitations um, coming out of Iowa, but tough guy and gets it. And and um, and like Kaya, had to deal with an offensive line that couldn't protect. And Chad Kelly has. Ability that would put him in the second day of the draft, but has off the field issues, and you just wonder about his maturity and ability to handle the rigors mentally and from a, a work ethic standpoint uh, that is required in order to be a, a solid, in order to be an NFL quarterback.
1: Alan Buchanan with TexAgs.com. Ron, can you check Allen's line?
0: I'm sorry, uh, I'm here. Uh, hey, Todd, how valid are the criticisms of Miles Garrett uh, in run defense? And where do you think other Aggies like Justin Evans and Josh Reynolds might be selected? I thought he got better versus the run this year. I, I mean, you can you can find a handful of plays where defensive linemen, especially when you're playing spread defense, spread offenses and playing 100 snaps a game, you know, not individually, but the defense is on the field 100 snaps a game where you're, you're not chasing from one side of the field to the other. You know, people are starting to to lump him in with Jadavian Clowney in terms of the effort. I, I didn't see that. I thought he gave a lot more consistent effort. I actually thought he got bigger and stronger this past offseason, and I thought he played stronger versus the run. So I – I don't have any issues. I've got him as the number one overall player, and I think he's going to be just fine. Um, Justin Evans, I've got a third round grade on him. thought he was underrated. Uh, Illuminor, the offensive tackle, I still have more tape to do on him, but I think he has an upside to be a third round pick. And Deshaun Hall, uh, Deshaun Hall I'm sorry, I've got a fourth round grade on. I like him. I think he, and I like his effort, and I thought he, he took advantage of a lot of one on ones. Uh, but he, you know, he, he did a lot of good things and, and I think he's got a chance to be in a rotation as a pass rusher at the next level.
1: Thank you so much to all of the media that joined us today. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have. You'll see Todd discussing his mock draft 3.0 on ESPN radio and TV shows this afternoon. I do apologize to those I couldn't get to, but please know we will have more calls in the weeks ahead. And I will look to help you then. Have a great rest of your day.
0: And that will conclude today's conference. We appreciate your participation. You may now disconnect.